elated to have a friend and colleague joining us today for the intake. And this person is someone that's very dear and close to many of us who have worked in animal welfare for many years. And she is celebrating 26 years at Hills Science Diet, Hills Pet Nutrition. And you all know her, Joanne Fuller. She is the person responsible for the Food Sheltered Love Program in the United States. And you know, that program feeds thousands and thousands of shelter pets each year. So you can kind of see why we think of her as a hero. So Joanne, welcome and congratulations on your 26 year anniversary with Hills. Thank you, Catherine. It's been a short and long 26 years. <laughs> oh, I imagine you've seen a lot of exciting things over that 26 year period. And I will definitely wanna ask you how things have changed, but not only are you celebrating a 26 year anniversary as an employee of Hills, you're also celebrating the five year anniversary of the relationship between Hills and NBC for Clear the Shelters. So congratulations on both anniversaries. Thank you. And I'm going to actually add a third one, if you don't mind, Catherine, and that is we are celebrating the 20th year, the 20th anniversary of the Food, Shelter, and Love program itself. So lots of anniversaries happening this year. And that means there should be lots of celebration. So we'll have to, we'll have to really make sure that when we're in New Orleans this fall, that we take time to really celebrate that because that's, that's really exciting. So for those who are listening who aren't familiar with the Food Shelter Love Program, can you, can you talk a little bit about how it came to be and how long it's uh, been working in Hills? Absolutely. So I am old enough at Hills to actually remember the days that there wasn't a food, shelter, and love program or a shelter support program of any kind at Hills. Uh, but it all started back in 2001 um, with a, an idea that Hills had to look for a secondary source of, of recommendation for the product and really wanted to find um, that point in people's lives where they were looking for advice on how to take care of their pets. And part of that care, of course, is what to feed my pet. That's one of the biggest things that we each have to do all day long or each day with our, our pets in our homes. Nutrition is one source of thing that you have to give every single day to help your pet be healthy and happy. And so in looking for what, what is that time period in people's lives where they are most in need of that recommendation and that guidance, you know, outside of when they first go to a veterinary hospital, or maybe they have a new puppy or kitten that they're taking to the veterinarian for the first time. The other really big place where people are looking for guidance is when they are adopting a pet from a shelter. And at the same time that we were looking for, for that place where we could provide that kind of guidance for people at a really opportune time, we were also looking at what we were doing from a recommendation standpoint at Hills. And we had a breeder program, believe it or not, back in the day. And the company made a very strong right turn to say, if we're going to put our resources, both financial and people behind helping people bring pets into their homes, creating new pet families, then we want to do that where pets really need that second chance to find love the most. And that's pets that are waiting in shelters. And so that was that year in 2002 is when the Food, Shelter, and Love program was launched and tested. And um, I believe someone very near and dear to the association, whose name is Jim Tenford, was working for a shelter at that point. Um, he was the head of the shelter at that point and actually helped us in those very early days 
test and learn the concept that would eventually become the Food, Shelter, and Love program. Yes, indeed. That is our fearless leader, Jim Tedford, who's the CEO for the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. And I always love when he tells stories of his 36-year career in animal welfare. And one of my favorites is he has that connection to the Food Shelter Love Program from the very beginning. And I just think it must be just really mind-blowing for him to see how this program has expanded and grown and just knowing the thousands of animals that have been helped because of the program. He's got to have such great uh, satisfaction in being a part of that original, you know, conversation about how do we how do we do this how do we help shelters why do you think hills made that strong right turn why is it that they really want to help shelters i think it comes back to the science behind our pet food you know hills is a pet food company a pet nutrition company that is rooted and grounded in science the science of veterinary medicine uh, we have board certified nutritionists that help to create our products um, really every level of science that's involved in bringing products to the market that pet parents can feed with confidence. And we felt like that the science-based nutrition that we provide also had a role to play in the shelter. You know, at that point in the early 2000s, it wasn't all that common for shelters to have one specific nutritional partner to feed all the pets in their care and to provide that, that source of high quality, consistent nutrition. And we really believed and still believe to this day that when you combine the right nutrition with the love and the care that the shelter provides to their pets. You really give that pet the best chance to be healthy, to be happy. And then if they're both of those things, we believe you give them a better chance to find a home more quickly. And so it was really that sort of philosophy that nutrition has a role to play. We believe in helping shelter pets get home. That really became the foundation for the program. And um, that was one of the reasons why we tested it early on is we wanted to see, did it make a difference in the shelter to have pets being fed this one consistent source of high quality nutrition, as opposed to, you know, feeding multiple things that maybe were of a, of a questionable quality in some cases. And so that became the foundation for the program. I remember I, uh, when it was, I was working in the sheltering world and I was fortunate enough to be a Hills shelter. And it was so funny because I remember long conversations at national organization meetings, conferences, where we talked a lot about the consistency of the poop of the yes. animal in the shelter. And we, we kind of laugh about it, but people don't realize that's so important. And I've been in so many shelters across the country. And when you go to a shelter that doesn't have that consistent uh, feeding program where they're not sure where their next brand of food is coming from and the animal doesn't have that consistency, it's, it's truly life-saving what you all do at Hills because animals who are in a shelter, number one, they come in they're nervous, they're scared, they're in an environment where they're smelling and hearing things they've never smelled or heard before. And it's, it's a very stressful experience for them. And a lot of them don't eat. They will not eat because they're stressed. 
and any type of stress is going to compromise immune systems. And so what I've always talked about in when I've been talking with employees about why it's important to talk about Hills and the amazing work that you all do is literally you are saving animal lives because animals who aren't thriving in a shelter and have compromised immune systems, they get sick. And if they're not able to be treated, then they become vulnerable for, you know, euthanasia decisions. So for myself, having worked in this field for 26 years, I have truly seen how the importance of that consistent diet is in keeping pets healthy and keeping them safe and getting them into a new home or, you know, reunited with their family if they were at, if they had gotten lost. But, you know, it's, it's really powerful and people don't realize people think, well, it's just food and, you know, it doesn't matter, but no, it really, really matters. You also have uh, something that you do for the shelters, I think is incredible because you have such an extensive prescription diet line, you're able to help animals that are in the shelter that are undergoing treatment. And, you know, again, these are diets that are, might be cost prohibitive for most shelters to feed that food, but you're helping shelters take care of animals who are sick and need to recuperate. And have you heard any, um, have you heard any interesting stories around the prescription diet and how that impacts your relationship with the shelters? Not so much the relationship with the shelters. It's a very good question, but I think we're privy to a lot of wonderful stories about how the, the prescription diets or the nutrition in general really works with the, the care of the shelter. Um, yes, every animal, I believe, can benefit from the right nutrition, but there are specific cases where that diet, that product, that food becomes part of the multimodal approach to treating that animal and getting them uh, you know, from a place of disease and suffering and symptomology to a place where they're at least able to be adopted and they continue to be able to recuperate in a home. And I think having that, those products at your fingertips in a shelter to make them part of your toolkit to really address the best care for that animal is, is invaluable. I mean, it, it is that way with everything in a shelter is to be able to have that suite of, of products at your fingertips in a lot of cases, if they're made available to you by a company at an affordable rate that allow you to give the best care possible to that animal with the ultimate goal of getting them in, into a home if they're able to be adopted. And, and so we've seen those transformation stories of animals with skin conditions who through the the love and the care of the shelter, the veterinary care, you know, the, 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 the therapy that's provided, the pharmacological products that are provided, and yes, also prescription diet products have been able to turn the corner and really um, recover to a point where they're able to move into a home. We also know that not every pet that comes into a shelter is in that place. We have a lot of pets that come into shelters that have been very well loved and very well cared, cared for. But even in those cases, really high quality science-based nutrition can also make a difference in their lives. And I go back to something that you said, Catherine, I think we don't think about it enough, stress in shelters. And I look at the consistent high quality source of nutrition as part of that multimodal approach to reducing stress overall in the shelter. We know it's not a home, right? It's never going to be a home. And there's a lot of stressors that go on in shelters and shelters do an amazing job 
of trying to use multiple methods to reduce the stress level. If we can add one thing into that, it's not to keep switching diet from food to food to food, because we know that again, as you said, that's a way to add stress to an animal that's already stressed. And the last thing that you want in a shelter is an animal that's stressed that now has GI stress that not only creates an unhappy animal, they're miserable, but as you alluded to, it creates a whole lot of work for shelter staff. And we want to make sure that what we're providing to shelters is not only a benefit to the animal at the end of the day, but it's also a resource and a benefit to the staff, even something down to as simple as the quality of poop that you have to pick up. That's big, that's important when you're dealing with hundreds of animals either every day or every year. And, and so I love that fact. I will tell you one story, one quick funny story. Um, had a shelter, a very small shelter here in Kansas where the executive director came to that shelter from another location that had been in the food shelter and love program. She came to this little shelter. They weren't on a consistent, uh, they didn't have a consistent feeding partner. And she reached out to me right away. We got her into the program. Long story short, she sent this amazing email to me, which I subsequently shared to everybody at Hill Senior Leadership Team. And I think the highlight of the email was the sentence with about 14 exclamation points after it said, we now have science diet perfect poop in our shelter and she was celebrating that because it's a big deal right it's a big deal to not have to deal with the mess and the fuss and the worry and unhappy unhealthy animals and if there's one thing that you can do to try to alleviate some of that both for the shelter but also for the pet and I think it's the right thing to do whether it's hills or it's an, it's another company that can provide that type of consistent high quality nutrition I, I'd like to talk a little bit about what you have seen change. You've been at Hills for 26 years and you've been actively involved with animal welfare, animal sheltering. And what kind of changes have you noticed over your period of time working in this space? I think the big thing that I've seen in the last couple of years, which is super exciting, is this pivot that a lot of um, animal welfare organizations are making to really become more of a community-based um, animal resource center. So we know that adoption will always be an important component of what our shelters and rescues are about, because as long as there are pets that are homeless or in need of a home or need to be reunited with their family, a shelter is always going to have that as part of their mission. But what I have loved to, to see and what I have seen really accelerate in the last two years, especially dealing with the pandemic, is this move that a lot of organizations are making to look beyond just adoption. Uh, and, and they were many times doing community-based animal welfare and, and acting as an animal resource model in the community. But there's a focus on that now and really broadening um, the reach into the community to focus just as much on making sure that pets can stay in the homes that they have today as they are focused on getting pets that are in the shelter into another home. Um, the goal of making sure that pets can stay with their family, that if there's a way to provide resources to someone who feels like they just don't have a choice other than to give up the pet, that there's an intervention there on the part of the shelter to say, here, we've got resources for you. You don't have to make that decision unless you really, really want to. Being able to keep those pet families together. We know that the best place for the animals in the home. And I have really loved to see that pivot. I've had a lot of great conversations with shelters around that move, that very strategic move to really broaden their reach into the, commun into the community in that way. Yeah, it's been so exciting to see that paradigm shift. And, you know, when I started 26 years ago, it was about just get the animals into the shelter, you know, and rescue them from, you know, whatever situation they're in. 
Whereas now um, the focus is on keeping families together. And I think a lot of people probably don't know the role that you all play in that specifically when it comes to uh, some food pantry support. And that historically hasn't necessarily been something that Hills has done, but I think through your leadership, they've gotten to a point where they recognize that that human animal bond, keeping pets together with their families and out of shelters is the true success. And that is something that you all have been investing in lately. How did you all decide to get to that point? Well, it really came about because of the pandemic and it, it really is through the work of our disaster relief network. So if, if people aren't familiar with that, the Hills Disaster Relief Network um, is an extension of our food, shelter and love program, which means if we didn't have partnerships with 770 shelters across the US, we wouldn't be able to respond to disasters that impact pets and people the way that we are able to do because of all of those, those uh, partnerships that we share with shelters all across the country in every state. And so our disaster relief network has a mission to quickly rush free pet food to shelters primarily. They will always be our first partner when it comes to um, providing disaster relief. We work with shelters. We also work with veterinary hospitals. We work with governmental organizations. And we're also working with some large nonprofits that most people would be familiar with today, like Greater Good Charities. We work with all of those organizations and, and nonprofits to make sure that if they're responding to a disaster in their community, or if they're traveling somewhere across the country with their disaster response team to an area that's been hit to provide their support, that we are stepping forward to provide nutrition, free nutrition, because the goal of the Disaster Relief Network is to make sure that the first responders to that disaster for pets can deal with the pets themselves. They can provide the medical care, they can hopefully reunite them with their families if they've been displaced, or they can rehome them if they need to. Um, and they can focus on all of that, but what they don't have to worry about is what to feed all those extra hungry bellies. And that's where Hills can lean in and say, we've got that resource, let us help you so that you can focus on everything else. Where we started to pivot a little bit was um, in, during COVID, obviously the first year of COVID, which was a tremendous amount of uncertainty for everybody in the country and all around the world. But I think animal welfare organizations specifically were, were waiting, pivoting and, and holding tight for this tidal wave of animals to come in, which never really materialized in that first year. And I think the reason it didn't materialize, quite frankly, is because so many shelters and rescues were stepping forward to provide resources, including pet food, to say, let us help you keep the pet in your home, right? Uh, we wanna try to prevent this tidal wave. So we're gonna provide veterinary resources. We're gonna provide funding. We're gonna provide pet food, yes, as a way to try to keep the pet in the home during this time of great uncertainty. And I really think that that's why, and the animal welfare community really gets the credit for making sure that that didn't happen in that first year. And for Hills, it was a big pivot to say that we're gonna provide the food not for a specific natural disaster, but we're gonna work with our animal welfare partners and some of these larger nonprofits to make pet food support available for their safety net programs that they're providing. And so uh, in 2020 and 2021, I think between those two years, we provided north of 2 million pounds of pet food through our disaster relief network, working directly with shelter partners and also large nonprofits to make sure that that food could get paid for into the community. 
Um, you know, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. It's the, the COVID need, obviously, the direct COVID need has died down, but I think we all know we're facing a really interesting time in animal welfare right now where adoption has slowed down and takes creeping up a little bit, not, not to where it was in 2019, but still creeping up. And there are more pets in shelters right now than there have been in a while that need a, you know, a place to land. And so safety net programs in my mind become even more important right now than maybe they were even back in 2020. Shelters right now are seeing a little bit of a decline in adoptions, a little bit higher intake, but again, not at the same level of 2019. But for the last five months, shelters have been having more animals come in than they're having leave. And so clear the shelters could not come at a better time. And can we talk a little bit about how Clear the Shelters works and how shelters can get involved with this program? Absolutely. I would love to. And I agree with you. I, I've said several times this year, if there was ever a year to support Clear the Shelters, uh, and I'm telling this to everybody, not just the animal welfare community, but to my friends, to my family, our colleagues at Hills, anybody that I talk to, this is the year to really get behind it. And a lot of people don't know is that Clear the Shelters was actually started back in 2014 in Northeast Texas by someone that we both know and love by the name of Corey Price, who worked for a municipal organization in that area in a summer where municipal shelters were just bulging at the seams with pets in need of a new home. I, I think the goal of Clear the Shelters is, is very unique. It, it, it's looking at raising awareness in the, the general community across the United States about the importance of adopting a pet from a shelter at a very critical time of year for animal welfare organizations. And that's the, you know, the late summer months. From what I understand, I'm not an expert in this space, but in talking to a lot of people over the last six years, this late summer time frame is a time when animal intake tends to come up a little bit. And at the same time, people, the American public, aren't necessarily thinking a lot about adopting a new pet because summer vacation's ending and kids are going back to school and there's just a lot of things going on. And this is just not top of mind. And so Clear the Shelters was created back in 2015, actually 2014 as a regional program in Northeast Texas, when 38 municipal shelters who were just bulging at the seams with animals came to uh, their local NBC station and said, we really have got to do something to get people to focus on the fact that there's all these wonderful pets in the shelter that need a home. We need this focus right now. And Clear the Shelters was born out of that effort of those municipal shelters. And there was 38 of them. And that very first year, they adopted 2,200 pets and everybody was thrilled. Um, well, the very next year, NBC's president got wind of the whole thing that happened in Texas. And she said, I think every NBC and Telemundo station, owned station should be doing this. And that's when Clear the Shelters went national. And it's, it's been growing by leaps and bounds every year. And the goal is really to raise national awareness about pets in shelters, that now is the time to reach out to your local shelter and adopt. Of course, it's also a donation campaign. So just as important as the adoption aspect for shelters is a chance to um, have people donate to the Clear the Shelters Fund, which is hosted by Greater Good Charities, an organization that of course we know and love. Um, and that fund pays out as grants to animal welfare organizations that are participating in Clear the Shelters in that given year. So it's both an adoption and a donation campaign. But again, the focus is really to drive awareness, to get people to think about the need to adopt a shelter pet at a time when there's a lot of pets in shelters. And so this year, 
with the factors that you just mentioned, intake going up a little bit, adoption rates slowing down, and shelters all across the country experiencing even higher pet population in their facilities, it's really a great time to get behind Clear the Shelters and raise that message, raise that flag. There's tons of good pets in shelters right now. That would be a, a big, um, wonderful addition to your family. So how many shelters are participating in Clear the Shelters this year? Well, I'm happy to say that we are in our now our second highest year of the campaign. So it's the seventh year of the national year of the campaign started in 2015. So at the campaign, seven years old, Hills has been sponsoring for the last five years. This is the second highest year for shelter and rescue um, registration. So right now, the number is still climbing, but it's already over 1300 shelters. So we beat last year. Um, the biggest year for Clear the Shelters was actually the pre-pandemic year. 2019 was an unbelievable year, almost 2,000 locations registered. So we are now trending towards that number. Shelters and rescues will continue to sign up for the program all the way through the third week of August, especially in, um, in advance of that big last weekend, which is what they call Crescendo Event Weekend, where hundreds of shelters across the country are going to be holding in-person adoption events to, to really push towards getting as many pets into homes as possible. So we're already the second highest year in Clear the Shelters history and really hoping that we can beat last year's adoption number, which was over 142,000 pets in the month uh, of Clear the Shelters last year. So shooting for that goal, shooting to beat that goal, skate way past it. I, I love it. I think that's awesome. If I'm working at a shelter and I'm listening to the, us in this conversation and my shelter is not participating and clear the shelters, how, how can they get involved? How do they become a, a participant in this nationwide program? Great question. So very easy. You can go to cleartheshelters.com. That is the official site to, to both tell you about the campaign, but also to register. There's a registration form there that you can fill out. You can sign up just for the adoption component. You can sign up for the donation component, or you can sign up for both and participate in both. Actually, at this point, let me take a step back, Catherine. The donation component is now closed so that they can track it across the month, but the adoption component is still open. Um, and a lot of times people will say, well, I don't, you know, I know this is an NBC Universal local campaign. It's run by the NBC and Telemundo stations in all of those owned markets. I'm in an affiliate market. You know, they don't have to do it. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that over 200 affiliate stations are participating. So it's not just the owned markets that participate. Many, many, many of the NBC and Telemundo affiliates participate across the country and in, in, in some great communities. So it, it, it don't let that stop you. The other thing that I hear a lot is, do I have to waive or reduce my adoption fees? No, you do not to be a part of the campaign. Yes, that is a great way for people to come out and help you move pets into the home. And a lot of shelters and rescues will partner with a, uh, uh, one of their businesses in the community to help offset those fees, but that is not a requirement for you to participate in Clear the Shelters. It's really just an effort by all of us across the country to get people to focus on this need at a time when I think shelters really need the attention and they need people to think about bringing a shelter pet into their homes. It's a remarkable program and I'm just so happy to, to see the success and the growth that has you know, come about in these past five years since you all have been involved. What do you think the future looks like for the Food Shelter Love Program? When you think about well, the of animal welfare and, and how you all have become such amazing supporters, what does the future look like? 
I think the future for the Food, Shelter, and Love program and its place in supporting animal welfare is very bright and stronger than it ever has been. I just literally, Catherine, came back from a trip to Arizona last week to visit Arizona Humane Society, Dr. Steve Hansen, whom you know. And with me was the Hills Vice President and General Manager for the whole U.S. business, and not just her, but our CEO for Hills all around the world. And they came together with me to Arizona Humane Society to spend three and a half hours immersing themselves in the journey that a pet takes from the time they come in through intake and treatment all the way till they go to the adoption floor and, and experience that second chance to find a home. And that level of support from the very top of Hill's organization is what is, um, what is what I'm celebrating this year because Hill's really is invested in this space. We value the partnership that we share with almost 800 shelters in the US and another 80 in Canada. And I think support for the program has never been stronger. My hope is that we continue to find ways to work even more closely with the animal welfare community. Our support today is primarily in the area of providing nutrition, uh, providing disaster relief also through nutrition, um, and supporting your work and the work of the animal welfare community as they find homes for pets. I think there's a lot of other places that we can look to lean in. And so that is my hope, is that we, we move from strength to strength, if you will. Um, I have no doubt that 20 years from now, Food, Shelter, and Love will still be supporting the animal welfare community and still helping pets find a home. Um, and, I, and I'm looking forward to doing even more in the next couple of years. Joanne, thank you so much for your time today and being with us and sharing your experience and knowledge. Is there anything else that you think is important to share about the work that you've been doing and the ways that Hills impacts animal lives in the United States? Yes, there's one very important thing that I wanna say, and that is as we celebrate all the wonderful anniversaries that we started off talking about, we're also celebrating 20 years of partnership with the Association for Animal Welfare Advancement. And from those very, very early days of the foundation of our program, we have been supporting and working with the association. I truly believe, Catherine, that that is one of the reasons why the program has not only been sustained for 20 years at Hills, but has also grown, is the guidance, the leadership, the education, the training, the networking that we have been able to experience through our relationship with the association has truly been part of building and strengthening um, the Food, Shelter, and Love program. And so I want to thank you and Jim, uh, but also all the folks that worked at the Association and Sawa before you, because this relationship is extremely important to us. And I think this relationship is extremely important as we look towards our, our, you know, our goals for the future and what we want to do um, in the next 20 years. Well, I have to say, it's been an honor to partner with you and I can't imagine Hills not being hand in hand with the association in the future. Um, we have, we've learned so much from each other and helped each other in so many different ways. And that level of collaboration is, it's inspiring. And it's, and it's really made amazing things happen that just probably wouldn't have happened without that relationship. So we are incredibly grateful for everything that you do to support animal welfare professionals, people working in this space, you know, giving them the resources that they need to be successful in their jobs. And, you know, I worked in animal sheltering for over 25 years and it's hard work. It's emotionally and mentally fatiguing. Um, so having a partner like Hills who understands and appreciates that you have to 
take care of yourself as a professional. You need to um, make sure that you're availing yourself of all the recent emerging trends that you know how you can help better lead your teams. And that sort of development is critical for animal welfare to truly advance. Thank you so much for being here. We, we hope you will come again and visit with us. Congratulations on all the anniversaries. All the anniversaries. I just know that Clear the Shelters will be a huge success this year and we can't wait to hear how it comes out after that crescendo weekend. And every, to everyone at Hills, um, especially our friend Allison, who you work closely with, just thank you for always being there for us in the animal welfare professional space. It means a lot and we're grateful for that support. Thank you and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Catherine. Have a good one.